As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. We are going to rip out the hearts of other podcasts. We are going to bite off their eyeballs. We are going to start every segment watching the scene from The Last of the Mohicans where the guy takes a bite out of the other guy's heart. We may not be good, but we're going to be nasty. We're going to reflect the blue-collar nature of this city. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Birds with Friends on a Wednesday evening. Bo Wolf, Zach Berman, Marissa Dunn, here to talk about the 10-1 and Philadelphia Eagles. We've got some news and notes, some injury updates from the Novacare Complex, some shuffling of the roster. We're going to talk about some hypotheticals about what they could do at safety, maybe dip our beaks into a little uh, draft conversation with Dane Brugler's initial mock draft up on The Athletic. Lots of good stuff, but most importantly, everybody wants to know, Marissa, how you doing? Um, I'm doing great. Excited. I, I can't steal Zach's line. I don't know. Um, I'm I'm doing awesome. Um, <laughs> you kind of caught me off guard. I was expecting you to go to Zach there. Um, yeah, ready to hear what you got. I, I mean, I feel bad for uh, CJ Gardner-Johnson, but hopefully he'll be back uh, at some point this year. But yeah, that happened to Stefan Diggs so, um, when we were in college. But yeah, excited mm. to hear what you guys have to say. And all quiet in Cleveland, nothing going on. With that yeah, team. nothing. Yeah. It's a very un- my mom just left, so mm. yeah, sad about that. Shout I out gotta to do him. my own laundry. Mm. So. And so does, and, and that means Michael still doesn't have to do any laundry. Yeah, nothing's changed for him. Yeah, Fair he enough. gets less less food, but you okay, know, I don't really cook. Zach, how much food are you getting these days? Uh, probably too much after <laughs> last week, or I would say last week Thanksgiving okay. too much. Need to uh, get back Need on track old, this on, week. Hit the old bike. Trail. Yeah, need, yeah, need to eat smart, need to need to work out, and uh, it's tough. Zach. I don't focus know. On- I don't know about you, but I feel like these uh, these Sunday night games. I think we've talked about this already, but uh, the toll they take on on my yes. body uh, is is worse 
as the years go on. <laughs> yes. I'm still I, not recovered. I feel, the, I feel the same way now. Admittedly, part of that is our own doing, hmm. right? I yeah, mean, not ideal ones. to stay up until 8 a.m. in the morning. <laughs> yes. Like I'm, yes. A, like I'm a, a college Did sophomore. Did you sleep at all? I slept about two and a half hours on Monday. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so that the Mondays Some, are Someone's got to rank those a, powers. <laughs> as I said on, on this pod before, I tend to feel it more the two days later. Like Tuesday, I was not as productive as I needed to be. And getting back into the swing of things today, and then uh, got some juice tonight and tomorrow. I'll I'll be at. It's kind of like a football player, right? You you load up, and Thursday and Friday you're there, and then you're at your peak performance Sunday, and then you do it all over again. Yeah, that's so, right. It doesn't matter how you are on Tuesday. You're not playing exactly. a game on Tuesday. Well, it matters how we are on, on Tuesday. Yeah, there was it? there was work I had to do. There was work we had to do. Yes. Uh, but we're doing this pod tonight, and there's a lot to discuss. I felt good on Tuesday. I got to watch friend of uh, of the show, DFOP, Tyler Adams. I mean, he's the best player on the team. He's unbelievable. Banging it home. Crushing it. Fantastic. Uh, and, what a and game. And the way was. he handled the media this week. Yeah, I mean, really good. Like, just so well-spoken. You can tell, he's, you, you can tell he's been listening to Birds with Friends, the way that he Definitely. was able to handle those things so deftly. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, that that press conference was was tougher than Bo's mock press conferences, right? And mm. I I didn't know if those questions can get tougher, but Tyler Adams found himself in that spot. I'd like to I'd like to see a, a similar back and forth happen um, that should have happened earlier this year between um, the Eagles and the Jaguars. If Jason Kelsey had done a press conference, if there was some obstinate Jacksonville reporter who said. Hey, hey, Jason, let's get this straight, okay? You say you've got respect for this team, but you keep calling them the Jaguars, the Jaguars. It's yeah. the Jaguars. Fair point. Yes, I actually think Doug said Jaguars in his opening press conference. <laughs> That's tough. He has, he has since rectified that. Mm. Big win for the Jags last weekend. Yeah. Yes, that, would, that uh, goal line, or I shouldn't say goal line, the two-point conversion Doug did the same thing against the Ravens in his first season as head coach. Uh, in, in 2016, they did not convert. But if you speak to Doug, that that decision in 2016, it was late December or early December, uh, actually around the same time, set the tempo for what came thereafter, he felt. He felt that sent a message to the team. Then you saw the ag- aggressiveness spill over into the following season. And is there, you know, if that's the kind of thing that piques someone's interest um, and they'd like to read a little bit more about the way that Doug Peterson handles uh, tough in-game decision makings, how aggressive he wants to be, the kinds of things that he thinks about um, in those situations, where might someone want want to read more about that, especially as the holidays approach? (laughs) I appreciate the plug behind my shoulder. You can see a few copies of Underdogs, the Philadelphia Eagles Emotional Road, the Super Bowl victory. I'm hoping to sell these copies and many more uh, on on Tuesday night. You can come by uh, at Puddler's Pub in Bridgeport. I will be there with Glenn Macnow and Ray Mm. Dittinger and Mike Sielski. We'll all be signing books and uh, meeting with you. And there's... there's, um, merchandise for sale there's it's it's gonna be a fun night at puddler's pub in bridgeport so i didn't expect no charlie manual uh Mm. merch you can find this all glenn mack now is tweeting it out i've retweeted it and i will continue to uh share it and of course the offer still stands for all of our listeners that if you want a signed copy you can email me and i'll 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 
I'll mail it to you. We'll arrange it. It's a great holiday gift. Happy to do so. That reminds me um, a little bit. Uh, enjoy getting the uh, the notifications and uh, tweets from people with their their Spotify uh, yearly wraps with uh, Birds with Friends, you know, atop or high near their their podcast rankings. So send those along. Give us a hashtag underdogs in my underwear. And uh, we're happy to see those. Mine I appreciate was... seeing those, by the way, but I'm I'm curious how many of those listeners have five-year-olds and three-year-olds because my entire Spotify rap is yeah, – is this what you were about to say? Yeah, go ahead. It's, you, it's... you say yours. I'm, yeah, curious, I'm curious what yours is. <laughs> It's all it's all kids it's it's all kid music. There was a Lion King phase this summer. Uh, there is a Sing Two. My my daughter. Oh, you like really a sing? sing? We 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 keep asking Casey to watch Sing, and he 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 keeps uh, shunning us. Yeah yeah, my no, daughter is it good. My 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 daughter likes the music from that. Okay. but it's basically it's kids music on repeat, and then you have to get farther down to see the podcast. My uh, my top songs. Top five songs, all Encanto. Um, However, because the Encanto, uh, like there are different artists for each song, like it's based on the singer. My top artist, would you you like to guess my top artist? My number one artist in the Spotify wrapped. Elton John. (laughs) What? Well, I'm thinking of of, of Elton Lion King. John. I was gonna say Mount Joy. Yeah, I was thinking Lion King. Mm, Mount Joy, Marissa. That is correct. Woo! Mount Joy. Okay. We got Mount Joy. Uh, then Stephanie Beatrice, who uh, sings in a canto. Then we have the ensemble from Lion King, and then two more uh, in canto people. So there you go. So the so the ensemble from from Lion King, Elton John, is 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 not. Yeah, a but he's there. not. I, I see what you're going for. I didn't. I didn't yeah. realize you were going Lion King there. He yes. doesn't. He's not really credited there. But uh, okay. Yeah, I'm not just like I'm not just rocking onto Rocket Man all day long. <laughs> Candle in the know. wind, just you know, going. <laughs> Queen Elizabeth dies, and I just listen to Candle in the Wind for three days straight to goose up the rankings. All right, we're 12 minutes in. Let's talk football. Uh, all right. Uh, so yeah, give us those. Uh, send us those uh, along. By the way, I have this. Uh, I got this. I got this cut here on my face along my cheek. You notice this? I did. At first, I thought it might have been the screen mm. or something on the screen, but I did notice that as we started. Yeah, that's just a scratch from Jane, uh, oh. making her mark. Like, like she's Count Rugen, and I'm Inigo Montoya, and I gotta spend my life. I gotta like, hello, my name is Bo. <laughs> I am your father. Prepare to cry. Like, what are we doing here, Jane? She's, she's a piece Aggressive. of work. I like it. Yeah, I like it. You're like a hockey player. I respect it. Do hockey players Maybe often get scratched in the cheek her. at 5.30 yes. in the morning? There's a lot of hockey players who have scars across their faces. It's it's part mm. of the hockey player uh, credo, if you will. Mm. All right. I think you should take her to get her nails done. Then, you know. That's, yeah. That's not a bad idea. Maybe some color. Yeah, and I'll I'll and I'll uh, I'll blast some Elton John and, and drive 95 miles an hour down the streets of Philadelphia. Perfect. All right. Uh, well, there is uh, there is some news and notes to get to from the Novacare Complex. Uh, a starter has a uh, a tough injury with which he has to deal. The Eagles are preparing for a big matchup this weekend, and with that in mind, we send it over to the Stone Cold Newsman himself, Zach Berman, for the latest.
The Eagles returned to work today, and Chauncey Gardner-Johnson did not participate in the walkthrough. That is because he has a lacerated kidney. There's no word yet on the timetable for Gardner-Johnson. This is obviously not an injury. Well, it's a painful injury, I imagine. I can only speak from what I've heard. I remember discussing it with Zach Ertz a few years ago. Uh, but it's not an injury that has the a traditional timetable. He's going to be back in X to X weeks because there, it's not like you can rehab a lacerated kidney. It needs to heal and get back to where he feels he's ready to play. Uh, he's not on IR at the moment. There could potentially be some moves coming down later this week because Jordan Davis returned this week. He they The... Eagles started his 21-day practice window. So Jordan Davis, the Eagles had a walkthrough today. Davis was out there in the walkthrough. It sounds like he'll be practicing tomorrow when the Eagles practice. And if the Eagles feel like he can play uh, on Sunday against the Tennessee Titans, then they need to bring him onto the 53-man roster. That would require them uh, to cut somebody to make room for him or put someone on IR. The Eagles have already... Uh, made some practice squad shuffling. They cut Marvin Wilson from the practice squad. They cut a few other players from the practice squad. Added wow, some those guys w- don't even get their names said. That's I can okay if you would the ultimate if, if you would like that. No, they released Kennedy Brooks and they released Roderick Johnson from the practice squad and went more wide receiver heavy uh, this this week. But I I think what's what's notable is the Eagles did not add a safety. So the safeties that the Eagles have on the roster in the practice squad right now uh, that are healthy are Marcus Epps, Reed Blankenship, Kayvon Wallace, Andre Sachere, and an interesting name on the practice squad is Marquise Blair, who they brought on last week or the week prior, and he he has three career starts. He's played, I believe, 28 games, so something to pay attention to as well. Otherwise, there's story, the storylines are... Uh, there's a lot of storylines this week. A.J. Brown against his former team. The Eagles trying to fix their kickoff coverage. Jalen Hurts was named NFC Offensive Player of the Week, the first time the Eagles have had an offensive player win the honors this year for a player of the week in the, in the NFC. Uh, there's obviously the potential return of Jordan Davis, and they're facing a really good, tough, physical football team that likes to run the ball, and the Eagles are, are, are going to need some uh, as they're going to need a strong run defense. So we can get to all that, but the big news is Chauncey Gardner-Johnson and Jordan Davis. Back to you in the studio, Bo. Thanks, Zach. Great stuff. Uh, Woodpecker, you rather have a lacerated kidney or a pelvic contusion? The Christian Pulisic yeah. injury. Probably a pelvic contusion. All right, well, I'm glad you said that. Uh, we have a guest who's at your house, ready to get, ready, ready to make that happen for you. Uh, no, I mean, please enter Dominican Sue, everybody. Welcome Dominican Sue to the show. It's a real, it's a, it's a real selfish choice there. Am I am, am I using the term correctly? Is is that the no? Oh, okay, okay, sorry. Okay, we can edit that. I th- I, I thought it's that's okay. like a a tough decision between two things. Yeah, I mean, like I think a, a Sophie's choice is like you're 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 choosing between. Uh, like letting down two things that that okay. you love, right? Like the, okay. the idea is you're choosing between your children, but yes, I I thought it know, just referred to something with bad outcomes. Choice, yeah, yeah, like like there's bad outcomes either way, right? So, 
perhaps I did not use that phrase, but it's it's a bet I I, I would want. I wouldn't want either one of those. Uh, but the lacerated well, that goes kidney. Without saying, yeah. Yeah, I don't want my kidney to be lacerated. So that and it's it's I mean both sound awfully painful. Um, they sure and do. Both, and both looked awfully painful. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I it it sounds like uh, it sounds like Christian's coming back on Saturday, right? Mm. Sounds like it. And I don't think Chauncey Gardner Johnson's back on Sunday. Probably not. All right, let's 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 talk about this a little bit. Um, we can get to I think let's let's save the uh, the Malcolm Jenkins potential conversation uh, for the the post ad segment, the second segment here. But let's talk about uh, what are your expectations for Gardner Johnson? Do you think that this is something that's going to land him on IR? You know, you've talked about the Eagles need to maybe potentially make some room on the roster if they bring back Jordan Davis. We know that Zach Ertz had this injury a couple years ago, 2018, and he missed only one game, but it was like, it was a heroic thing. The Eagles probably don't necessarily need to push C.J. Gardner Johnson back quite that soon. Obviously, I would imagine that lacerated kidneys are not all the same. It depends a little bit on the the specific nature of the injury. I uh, don't think they're going to put him on IR, actually. I, 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 I think this is one that that they let it ride, and they hope to get him back within this four-week time frame. It's a position where they don't have uh, – they – they don't have a lot of depth, like we mentioned, number one. And then number two, I think it is conceivable that he can come back within the four weeks. And, I mean, it's awfully painful from what it sounds like, but it's it's not like you're dealing with a ligament or a broken bone that um, is going to require rehab to get back to to where you're going to be, right? So I, I, I think that if... If he can come back within that four-week frame, they'll they'll keep the window open. Now they are going to have some roster gymnastics to do, not just this week but next week as well, because it sounds like Dallas Goddard is in line, or I should say two weeks from now, it sounds like Dallas Goddard's in line to return. Avante Maddox could be in line to return next week, uh, but I do think Chauncey Gardner Johnson stays on the fifty-three for now. I don't know what that move is though. You're very good at the roster math. Who do you think gets cut to open up room or put on IR to open up room? Yeah, I mean, they could do some kind of, you know, Janarius Robinson type chicanery and find somebody to uh, have a little nick. I mean, they could put they could have put Josh Job on IR yep. like three weeks ago. I'm actually surprised that they didn't. Um, if they're going to actually cut somebody, I mean, Britton Covey is not really the number one returner in both things anymore, right? Like, and is somebody really going to claim him? You could cut him and elevate him if you need him to return punts. You don't really need him to return punts. You could just have Greg Ward do it for what... Britton Covey is bringing to the table right now. I would probably put him as the last on the order. I mean, Boston Scott's returning kicks right now, right? So he would probably be the guy as far as I'm concerned. I think a job to IR could be something to watch, especially with Maddox coming up. And then you wonder what they do when, when, uh, when Goddard comes back as well. Although the way they think about it is, and this is the right way to think about it, you address Next week and the week after, next week and the week after. Oh, totally. Bound to be injuries. It's a football. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. People are going to get hurt for sure. Um, And do do you think that Jordan Davis is going to be up this week? I do. Do you? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it seems like he he might just be ready. Yes. Um, And if ever there's a week that you want him and Linval Joseph on the field, this is the week, right? 
Exactly. He's he's been trending in this direction. Uh, we've we've seen him moving. He's 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 moving fine. Uh, right. He he hasn't been in a in a boot or anything of that nature. So, yeah, I, I would expect him to be back this week. I'm I'm really curious to see what like the rotation would look like um, if he does come back and against Derrick Henry. I mean. Do you try to get them both on the field at the same at the same time? Are you just are you just splitting reps at nose in the three man front? Um, you know we saw Jordan Davis play in even fronts really for the first time in the game that he got hurt. Um, but with Sue now, you know I don't I don't know. It's a lot of snaps to go around. I would I would hope that it means that you know Fletcher Cox doesn't have to play eighty percent of the snaps again. Um, although we can talk about some thoughts from the last game. He he did play very well last week, but. Uh, I'm really interested to see what they do, like how the pecking order with Jordan Davis and Linval Joseph falls because Linval Joseph is playing very well. Yeah, so I, I think they're going to really load up on the defensive front this this week. They're going to threaten Tennessee to try to beat them passing the ball. Tennessee might see the Eagles' safeties and think it's inviting, but that Titans offense, or, or that Titans passing game is not particularly good. If you If you add up all the receiving touchdowns of their wide receivers and you multiply it by two, you still wouldn't get AJ Brown's receiving touchdowns. Wow. It's uh, almost like you looked that up for a story. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's just a, a, a sentence in the story. There's a lot more that you can mm. read about AJ Brown and, and uh, hopefully learn more about AJ Brown. I'll say this. It'll be on the athletic tomorrow. So make sure you check oh, that out. How about that? Yep. So do you, you think they're just, what does that mean? You think they're just going to all play a ton? What? Yes. Yeah, I, I think they're going to have more five-man fronts, number one. Okay? And the reality is Sue Sue doesn't have much of an overlap with with Davis. I think you're you're looking at, at Davis and Joseph both playing snaps. It's, it would be Davis's first game back. Uh, yeah, I mean, Linval I, Joseph had to play like 30 snaps two yeah. weeks ago. Yeah, I think they're going to operate primarily out of their odd man fronts, and they're going to have the nose tackle, and they're 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 not going to like their game plan. I imagine is going to be don't let Derrick Henry beat you, and if if uh, Ryan Tannehill and those receivers are making plays downfield, okay, but you don't want that to occur, but you don't want the 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 Titans to beat you with with a their best player on offense. Jeffrey Simmons is a really good player on defense. Uh, number one, but also uh, when Derrick Henry runs the ball, it, it it really plays into the personality of the Titans. And one thing that the Titans do, and I I was able to watch some some Titans yesterday, is it seems like they they inf- they put their personality onto the game, right? They inflict their their style, if you will. Like you have to. It's like watching Michigan Ohio State, if I may say. Um, you know, you have have to be ready to wrestle them to to. You're gonna bring to them to the mud. To exactly. So that's, I would that's I would normally um, like reflexively disagree with with like that characterization um, and and say that it's like too uh, theoretical. Um, but it's so true with this team, and I like I enjoy watching Titans games almost as much as any other team. Um, because they really do like they they stick to their style, and they will do what they do. And if you can beat them, like good on you. Which the Bengals were able to do last weekend. But 
um it's like it's it's fun it's gonna be it's gonna be an interesting game and i'm i mean we'll get to a, a more extensive game preview on friday but i'm like the the matchup on the other side of the eagles uh offense like their running game against uh what is maybe the best run defense in football you know the eagles have um taken some pride in the past couple of years of exposing you know like the saints run defense which was number mm-hmm. one both of the last two years that the eagles ran for over 200 yards I'm curious if they're going to lean into that matchup and really try to, uh, you know, wrestle them in the mud, as it were, or whether they're going to, you know, try to throw the ball a little bit more. So, I don't know. That's it's. I think I think this is like from a, uh, from like a matchup standpoint. This is this is the game that I'm most excited about the rest of the season. I agree. Now the Dallas game with yeah, like Dak, that's a, the but, stakes of that game are higher. But I've sure. seen those two teams play each other. Like I'm yes. I'm just really interested to see how this game plays out. I agree. How the Eagles approach this game. I agree, and I think this game shows, you know, uh, you you put it well there. The Eagles take pride in their style of play, number one, against these types of teams, and you hear Jason Kelsey and the offensive I wrote about this after I think it was the Jacksonville game when they say it's, it's not who's toughest, who's toughest longest, mm-hmm. right? Right. And that's very much something to observe here because the Titans, they can out-tough you. Right, they can out physical you. Um, they're gonna they're gonna make you earn a win. And that Kansas City game was a good example, right? That goes into overtime, and uh, you know the, the Chiefs just you're playing escaped with Malik that. Willis in that game. Yes, uh, the the Bengals game last last week. I actually thought that the 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 Titans were gonna have that chance to answer. That's such a yeah. weak. That's such a weak call. I hate it too. Right? I I understand. Like I'm if Rick Lovato's listening. I'm sorry, Rick. Uh, I understand why they want to protect the long snappers in those cases, but it didn't seem like the Titans were doing anything egregious to the long snapper there. For the game to end that way, uh, that was unfortunate. Yeah, that's yeah. no fun. All right. Uh, why don't we take a little break, come back and give our uh, any final thoughts on the win over the Packers, talk a little bit Malcolm Jenkins speculation. It's Maybe it's too late for that to happen, but would you do it? If you were Howie Roseman, we'll answer that question on the other side. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. 
We lost Bo. Uh, Marissa. I'm not sure what happened there. I I, I feel bad bringing this up without Bo here. But during the ad break, I I did look this up just because I wanted to make sure I was not way off. And I actually think that, uh, oh, well, uh, Bo's here. I, I don't think Sophie's Choice was was that bad of a phrase to use in, in that situation. I I agree with you, Zach. I okay. like too because yes. my analogies are not always there either. So I was like, I think that kind of could work. So, I mean. I'm looking at the ex- examples here, and it's it's very comparable to what I was bringing like it up. Crazy. Yes. Yes. Listen, you don't so. need to give yourself a break. You, you know, it wasn't perfect. It's fine. You'll come back to the drawing board. It's like, I mean, you, you, don't be, you don't have to be Jonathan Gannon saying that you uh, you didn't call such a bad defensive call when uh, Christian Watson scores a 68-yard touchdown. I'm curious what the audience thinks. Okay. Well, I mean, the, the Sophie's choice for the you audience. You a comment okay. that said it was a fine analogy. <laughs> Please. It just means it's an impossible Listen, decision. We give, we, we give Zach enough love, okay? He gets. Do we? He gets. We get, that's not what the that's that's not what the iTunes uh, reviews say. You know what? I haven't read the iTunes reviews in a while. Are they are they harsh on me? I would I would recommend you stay away from them. Yes. <laughs> that's good. iTunes yes. sucks. I don't know. That's not wow. the people who are saying I suck. Stop listening to the show. There's lots of Eagles podcasts. Okay. Please, we appreciate we appreciate all listeners. Please don't. And other our podcasts. numbers this year have been amazing. So there are lots of people listening, and we we thank all of those people that do, um, and and we're very grateful for them. Well said, Marissa. Thank you. I'm with you. And I don't need I don't need like <laughs> we don't need to go down this path. <laughs> the show is the show. Okay. We've been doing it for like six years. I don't need your advice on how to do the show, okay? You're all groused, okay? We're doing we're recording shows at five in the morning. If that's not good enough for you, then find a different show. Uh, I think that there's 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 always feedback we can apply, and there's there's some feedback we don't need to apply. But 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 let's get to the conversation at hand which is i believe malcolm jenkins correct yeah why don't we start with that and then we can talk anything anything left over from the from the packers but um so malcolm jenkins said in a in an interview with john clark a week ago so before the cj garner johnson injury happened um you know the subject was broached like would you uh would you be willing to play if the opportunity came along and he said he stays in shape he thinks that he is in game shape he would be open to it and then all of a sudden the garner johnson injury happens um, obviously we're at Wednesday evening now, so it, it would seem like this is probably not going to happen. Um, because if it was, you'd think you'd want to get him in here. But if you were Howie Roseman, Zach, would, would you be interested? Well, first off, shame on me because I spoke to Malcolm mm. Jenkins, uh, a week and a half ago for a story that appeared last week. And I didn't ask him if he was interested in playing because I, I didn't think a reunion was, something they would pursue, and I don't think a reunion is something they're going to pursue now. That said, you're saying if I were Howie Roseman, not what would Howie Roseman do? If I were Howie Roseman, uh, yes, I've always said this, that a football team with Malcolm Jenkins, in my opinion, is better than a football team without Malcolm Jenkins. I said that in 2020 when they released him, uh, and I I stand by that because, or I, I should say let him go, right? 
Uh, I think there was an option in the contract that year. But uh, the uh, the other thing with Malcolm Jenkins is that he's he's not a wallflower, right? So if he's he's not someone who comes in and and, and is just like uh, you know just just a guy in the in the in in the locker room. He right. has a the, the, there's there's much that comes with Malcolm Jenkins. He's he the leadership, the, the sheer force of personality, and there's a lot of um, history in that locker room and in that building. And I think if if you bring in Malcolm Jenkins, you bring in Malcolm Jenkins to be Malcolm Jenkins. Even even if it's not in that role on the field, it's certainly in that role off the field. And there are a lot of dynamics at 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 play there. Um, but I think that he could help you. Number one, I think that he could help you on defense and on special teams. Right? He he always ran down kicks. I want to ask you about special he, teams as well. But yeah, and 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 he can still run down kicks. And I I think that uh, he for a short period of time he could be a placeholder for you. Um, that said, I don't anticipate this being a long-term injury for Gardner Johnson. I expect Gardner Johnson to be back, and I think they 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 can uh, what's what's the term? Stem the tide. Yeah. Stem the yeah. tide until then. That's correct. You got that. Okay. <laughs> okay. That's that's correct. But uh, I I know people always say it's 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 not Madden. It's not fantasy football. There's human dynamics at at play. I think a, a football team. And a locker room with Malcolm Jenkins is better than one without it. And I'll also go as far as to say, we saw in 2020. I think it's it's. I mean, uh, correlation does not suggest causation, but I think that that was a locker room that could have used a Malcolm Jenkins in it in 2020. Well, I think that is true. Um, I think it's a little bit more complicated, as you say, than just you know, is Malcolm Jenkins better than Kayvon Wallace? Um, because if it is a short-term injury and you expect C.J. Gardner-Johnson back, you know, he needs to be on the field in his mind. Um, and then is, is Malcolm going to just go to the bench? Um, you know, what is what are the personality dynamics with not just the guys in that room, but the guys in, in the rest of the locker room? Um, you know, this is not you know, this is not him coming back to play for Jim Schwartz either. This is a defense and a, and a coach that he's never played for. Um, I don't think it's a particularly difficult, you know, scheme for Malcolm Jenkins to pick up. I think he could line up and play, uh, you know, what Jonathan Gannon wants him to play on Sunday and be fine. Um, but it's it is a little bit more complicated than just like, wouldn't it be awesome to get Malcolm Jenkins back? I think, uh, you know, this is this is not the same locker room or the same group. Um, and he is, as you say, like he is not a he is not a, a quiet personality. He's not going to come in and just you know, go and, you know, fade into the background. Um, I think that if, you know, if it were a season-ending injury for, for C.J. Garner-Johnson, I think they would really think about it and 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 might do it um, because then it's a different conversation um, because, listen, the stakes of this season are, can you go win a Super Bowl? And if Malcolm Jenkins uh, it has a chance of, you know, being enough to get you over the hump to win a Super Bowl, then you do it. Um you know, if he's the if he's the Dominican Sue or Linval Joseph of safeties who are available, then you do it. Um, actually, I think he is someone in the chat says um, he's still under contract with the Saints. So I don't know if it is actually. I, I don't believe so. OK, 
I I think because they had to release them in a in a cost cutting move, right? Got it. Okay. I think they they restructured and then and then released them. Got it. Okay. Um, to to facilitate their retirement, uh, I would need to look that up. But yeah, and he, I in, in speaking to Malcolm, he's he's in this area some of the time. He's he's kind of doing, you know, he's he's with his 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 kids for part of the month, and he's got, um, you know, he's traveling. He's he said there's some days he doesn't know what city he's in. L.A., New York, Philly, uh, but he's very he, he was emphatic like they're my Eagles. That's that's the phrase he he used when I spoke to him, and he knew everything that was going on with this team. Right, we were talking about shell coverages, he and I, and he was breaking down like what the Eagles need to do against teams that run the ball um, with the way they they play their their coverages. So I think that he could pick it up quickly. But yeah, I, I I think that there's there's a, there's a, a lot there that I don't think they go that path. Number one, but it does surprise me that that they haven't done anything at that at that spot. And Nick Sirianni said today he, he he really likes the room. He made the comment he likes what they have on the roster and then he likes what they have on practice squad. Um, which like I, I don't want to gas up Marquis Blair here like I did Tyree Jackson, um, <laughs> but uh, but point being that uh, they're gonna go with blanket chip and make sure our audience checks out Bo's day after story. Uh, when we last spoke, I've spoken to Bo since then, but when when we being our audience when you last heard us, Bo hadn't yet written that story, uh, and I think it was a good good look into Blankenship and into uh you know Blankenship's family back home the man they call ghost now uh let's let's uh, use that to transition into thoughts on the game um as you rewatched what did you what did you make of Blankenship and and how the defense fared with him in it and do you think good. and do you think that it is cut and dry that he will just be the starting safety the full-time safety uh while Gardner Johnson yeah. is out well so first off I I I take back what I said. I don't think the defense played well. Um, I thought uh, – I do want to make the correction. The defense played well in third down. I didn't say that on the pod the other night. But the explosive plays were problematic, and they were avoidable in some cases. Um, the play that I highlighted on the pod, when I went back and watched it, it was even worse. And Which I is actually, that, the Watson I, I, touchdown? No, the, the fourth down the, – the fourth and sixth to Watson. When, oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, and actually Dan Orlovsky – and Ryan Clark have have something that has since gone around social media talking about that play. But I, I remember watching it through my binoculars and thinking like, wow, they have TJ Edwards over Christian Watson here in the slot. And it reminded me of of Nate Gary over Chase Claypool mm-hmm. uh, in that Steelers game. And it was, it was, it was similar in, in that um, Edwards wasn't on uh, Watson there, but Watson just ran free and like was just open there in the middle. Um, but so there are things that they can do better. I, I thought that, you know, Jonathan Gannon took, took, uh, he, he fell on the sword for Christian Watson's long touchdown. It was, I think interesting he's right about for, that. Yeah. So the thing I was, I was going to say, and look, I'm not defending Gannon here. I'm not defending Gannon. Okay. I should preface it. I'm not defending Gannon here. But the, like, criticism when they allow all these runs in the second half of, of games. It's directly to avoid a play like that because, as he has said on the record, and he believes this, like the quickest way for a team to come in the game 
is for them to throw over your head. And this, they didn't throw it over the head, but for, you know, a 60 plus yard touchdown that, that that's the quickest way for a team to get back into the game, as opposed to like a 15 play drive in the second half of the game. Um, and what Jonathan Gannon said was that he was, he was uh, too aggressive with his call in that situation. Uh, and I agree. I think that they, they went. It was uncharacteristic of, of them to allow that type of big play. The problem in this game is it was far too characteristic for them to allow big plays, explosive plays, and explosive plays that lead to points. They need to cut down. Yeah, it's funny in this game. I'm I'm not as hard on Jonathan. I thought Jonathan Gannon was mostly fine in, in this game. I thought the defense was put in some tough spots. Um, I did think the call on that long Watson touchdown. He did like you know you've got Reed Blankenship out there. Um, and you know that his limitation is athleticism, and you put him in a tough spot uh, because you've got Marcus Epps one on one against Christian Watson, which is putting Marcus Epps in a tough spot. And then you know Blankenship has to cover the route that's going deep, and then Watson catches the ball, and there's just no chance for for Blankenship to catch him. Um, I thought that was a bad call. He explained that the uh, the long touchdown run by AJ Dillon, the 20 yarder, was a situation where they just they sort of got caught in their even front because. They were uh, they had the it was a second and long it was a passing down Packers converted and then, you know, when when uh, no huddle, you, you can't you're not allowed to sub. And so they sort of got caught there, which, you know, that's part of the game. That's that's on him, that's too. That's why teams go no huddle. Right. Exactly. Yeah. But that was that was the reason behind that. So um, I didn't think I didn't think they were all that bad. I think that but it is, it is a good example. And it's it is, as you said, like the, um, you know, the, the teaching point of when you do give up explosive plays, this is what can happen now. You know they were they were put in some tough field position situations, but I th- I thought that they were okay. Yeah, I, I thought all, offensively, right? How many ways can we sing the praises of this offensive line? They they dominated. Uh, Miles Sanders, when I went back and watched, looked even better than I realized in in real time. He was really good. Um, yeah, uh, Jalen Hurts, really good. I know that there's there's concern about some of these hits that he takes. I'm not so worried about that, number one. And number two, I've said this, and I stand by it. I haven't changed my opinion here. When Jalen Hurts is your quarterback, you sign up for the full Jalen Hurts experience. And, like, he's he's going to run. He's best when he's running. I, I don't right. think the that The offense you, is at its best when he is, it, yeah. Exactly. So, so there are things you can do toward the end of runs, and Nick Sirianni addressed that today. But, yeah. Uh, in the open field, he's as dangerous as a running back uh, because he he's he's really smart with with how he runs, with where he's going. He can read. He knows how to decelerate and accelerate. Um, so yeah, I, I think that an offense when Jalen Hurts has a lot of carries is a good situation because he's a really productive runner. There's you know there's one thing we talked about early in the season about. Um, you know, I was curious about whether they like whether they design certain plays where they know that if they get a certain look, the scramble is going to be there. Um, and everything that I, you know, sniff around about the, the, the answer is no. Like they're just they call plays. And I asked Jalen Hurts about this today. Um, like, are there are there calls where he knows that if he gets a certain defense, you know, he's got he's got a very quick green light to scramble. And it was that. Um, that that forty plus third, yard third down, the third yeah. down run where they call um, you know they've got the heavy 
group on the field. You've got Cam Jurgens on as the sixth offensive lineman. You've got it's a shot play for Quez Watkins. He's the only one running a route. And like at the top of his drop, Jalen, you know, bursts to the right side because it's completely empty. And in my mind, I was like, that was such a perfect thing. Is that is that was that as designed? And and the answer is no. It's like they called it for the shot play and Jalen just sort of reacted and, and saw the space. And he said that that like that is not how he thinks about it. Um, it's all about, you know, the reps and reading and reacting. Um, but it's such an interesting thing. I mean, and, and it's such a good like, you know, if you're a coach, like that's great. And it's such a like it's such a salve for the offense. And I think it's part of why, like, you know, these sort of ridiculous criticisms about um, like Jalen Hurts is not a, a true quarterback or whatever. Like, well, who can? Yeah, well, I mean, it's, it's a semantic nonsense thing, but like yeah. th- that he, he it doesn't matter. He's 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 solving things for the offense that other people aren't able to solve. Yeah, a hundred percent, right? I mean the 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 purpose of any drive is 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 to end up in the end zone, is to score points, right? And uh, I think in any situation, sports and in life, like one of the best things you can do is detach yourself from from like the 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 what you think it's supposed to be, right? And uh, he he plays the position really well as a passer. If you take away the running, but then you add the running and what, what's interesting. And I think the third down play is an example of this. I think when the term scrambling is used, it's, it does, it's, I don't say an injustice, but it doesn't do justice to what he does because scrambling almost suggests that he's just like running around for dear life, trying to, and which he has done a little bit more the past couple weeks. Uh, If you look like his time to throw the last two weeks are his highest of the season. I think he's had to do that a little bit more without Dallas Goddard, but you're right. A lot of the times it is like a one read and go situation. And he he runs with a purpose. Yes. The description you use for that third down, that's right on point, right? Like he sees it. He has the instincts. And when you asked him the question today about this, um, I think he he discussed instincts, and that that was the key. He's he's very instinctive. Yeah, I think that's right. All right, anything else uh, you wanted to go over from the game? Uh, no, I mean, I did think Robert I know Quinn, that there's I, I, I'm a still uh, wrong on Robert Quinn. They're like not playing. It's enough, bizarre. But, I mean, yeah. he's like he's buried and he's not doing. I mean, I, I couldn't believe he had a quarterback hit. Yes. Still, yes. Um, shout out to your boy Quez Watkins. I thought played really yeah. well. Uh, and credit to Quez because, uh, you know, Nick Sirianni told us last Friday about Bequez. how, what's that? Credit to Quez Bequez. <laughs> okay. Uh, Sirianni told us last Friday, and I think they mentioned this on the telecast about how he, he goes through everyone's role, um, with every player in the room, right? So he'll tell Quez what his role is with all the other receivers there, uh, but the thing Sirianni says is like the the your role changes as things change throughout the year, and what you've seen since the Goddard injury is how that role has evolved. And Quez Watkins is a like he's starting caliber receiver in this league. He's a good number and, three uh, receiver, exactly. And I think he he's he can be like a a passable number two um, if you have a star number one, right? Right. Uh, and but, a good tight end, yeah, like yeah. yeah, you don't want him to be your number I, two option in the passing game, but yeah, yeah. I I I like what I've seen from Quez Watkins. Yeah, I agree. 
And that stuff is hard. Like that, like that is that is an important part of coaching is managing those expectations. Like you yep. saw it in the post game locker room speech. Um, like I, th- you know, I think that's I think that's calculated to give Quez Watkins a game ball because you know that this is a guy who has been taking a backseat. He's a wide receiver. Of course, he wants the ball. That's the way he's wired. Like that's a hard that's a hard thing uh, when all you yep. do like every press conference is talk about. Well, we've got. Dallas and Devonte and AJ and we got to get the ball to those guys. Well, like here's Quez Watkins who had almost 700 receiving yards last year, and he's thinking like, "What am I, a piece of trash?" But like, you got to do the work on the back end to to make sure that when you do need him, he's ready to step up. Yeah, shout out to Shield here because as as, as Shield always says, when when they say it's a good problem to have, right? Uh, now I, I'm uh, the word there's still a problem right there there's there's still a problem that that must be rectified and the problem here is how do you manage the personalities or the sensibilities or the expectations of Devonte, quez aj when other guys are getting the ball right there's there's a lot to go around miles sanders wants the ball um dallas goddard wants the ball uh when zach pascal's in the game zach pascal wants the ball right there, right there. a lot of people who want the ball i think jack Stoll's like the only guy who might be all right it's cool if you don't throw the ball today but i'm good <laughs> quite J- jalen trusts him though you can tell <laughs> yes yes he says uh, yes yeah, sirianni said in the headset i i, I like jack Stoll. always i like jack Stoll too jack. he's got a really gravelly yeah. voice uh, that belies just, his age it's like i mean he, he he sounds like a guy who's been uh drinking whiskey and smoking cigarettes and he's like 65 years old but uh, <laughs> he's a he's a, a welcoming guy so i yeah. i appreciate that yes. okay all right why don't we take our last break we'll come back talk a little bit of special teams maybe a little uh, draft stuff and uh you know maybe some nonsense when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, back on Birds with Friends, Bo, Zach, and Marissa. Zach, um, we had a chance to talk to Michael Clay after another disappointing uh, performance in kickoff coverage, three long kickoff returns. Um, what did you make of what he said? And also, you 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 uh, have been looking into this a little bit. Something's on your radar, and I think it's a, I think it's a good point. I want you to get it off your chest. That here suit, handsome chest of yours. <laughs> well, I I think the problems in the Eagles kickoff coverage in particular is more personnel driven than, than schematic. Uh, look, I'm not a coach that's well established. Um, and I could be wrong here, but there are only so many ways to cover a kickoff. Right. And I think a lot of it has to, has to do with the players that you have. And one thing that the Eagles, um, haven't done as much during these past few years is play starters, on special on 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 special teams. When I asked Clay about this, he gave the example of how they use Jordan Davis, uh, but that not that's not yeah that's that's not the same. If you look in their coverage units, Marcus Epps gets some work in coverage units, right? But uh, but guys who in the past like T.J. Edwards was a core special teams guy for them in the past. He's graduated out of that, right? Yeah, like Malcolm Jenkins um, and Rodney McLeod used to play special teams. Yeah, 
Um, and there are other teams that that play their their starters or players in the starting mix more often than the Eagles have. And this goes to a point that you have made on this podcast. And I, it's not a bad thing. I don't think Howie Ro- – I mean, Howie Roseman's clearly done a, a good job assembling this roster. Philosophically, uh, he takes a different approach than, say, Chip Kelly did. He, he doesn't use those bottom-of-the-roster spots for special teams guys, for, like, veterans who – your Chris Maragoses, your Brian Bramans. Um, well, they signed Brayman in 2017. Yeah, true, true. Uh, they use those spots more for developmental players. And one thing I've heard when I've brought this up it, to people in the past is is the practice squad gives you the chance. Like, in theory, Andre Sachere, when he was on practice squad, would be an example of someone you can promote in that case. It's better to use your bottom of the roster for players you, you want to keep here. And if they were on practice squad, someone would sign them away. Uh, that said, they're... They're not getting enough production, in my opinion, from the personnel that they're using. And Clay is ultimately responsible. He's the special teams coordinator. Uh, but I put, you know, I, I don't think there's much they can do schematically on kickoff coverage. I think it's more personnel trip. Yeah, I mean, I am, I am uh, not a special teams uh, schematic genius, as you say. Um, so I don't I don't know if like how out of position guys are on those kickoff returns, um, you know you can't divorce coaching from it. Yeah. Um, that's certainly a part of the deal. It's impossible to know you know what percentages go where. But I think Sachere is like a perfect uh, example of the way that they view it because he was their best special teams player last year. He they he would have been their best special teams player this year, and they let him loiter on the practice squad and promoted him a few times. But they didn't think that he was worth a roster spot because, as you say, they were they were worried about keeping other guys more long term. And I think that's probably the right decision. Like, I think the way that they are valuing special teams is probably correct. I mean, they're ten and one, and yep. like the special teams are not very good, and it's not hurting them that much. Like, I think we're I yeah. think we're a little bit too attuned to it because it is the most visible thing well, that's going on. Um, but yeah, I mean, I understand the point. Like, you get to a playoff game, you can't just be letting guys start drives at the 50. That's true. But um, I don't know. Maybe it is. Like, maybe maybe TJ Edwards and Kaiser White should play on kickoff coverage. Uh, you know, maybe Marcus Epps should be out there. I don't know. Yeah, so I, I, I try to separate, like, what happened here in, in, in this right. game from something that – from a bigger issue that could, that could linger because – you're right. They are yeah. ten and one. That said, the Packers were the number one seed last year, had the MVP yeah. of, the, of the NFL. Special teams was a problem during their season, and it was probably it was probably rationalized um, in Green Bay. Like, Fair well, point. they're 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 this good, and then they get to a playoff game, they lose what thirteen ten, and there's a field goal blocked, a punt blocked, and two long returns, um, and that was the difference in a thirteen. And the punt block was returned for a touchdown. That was the difference in a 13-10 game. Um, in the playoffs, the margin for error is a little different than when you're playing against mediocre teams in the in the, in the regular season. Um, but you also don't uh, you also don't want to say Green Bay returned the ball long three times, and so therefore, like the sky is falling. They're still 10 and one. Um, so you, so you need to figure out what can be cleaned up, why the problem is occurring. And, and clean it up as opposed to saying, 
well, this is like, you know, they're 10 and one, but I don't like saying they're 10 and one, but because they are 10 and one. And it's, it's that old expression. Anytime you use, but it kind of negates things that go before it, you know? And I'm curious to see what they do because, you know, Sirianni mentioned, um, you know, they do need to look at some personnel things, maybe practice squad, maybe signing a guy. Um, if you look at the practice squad, you're talking about, you already mentioned Marquise Blair. I wonder if that'll be a possibility if in case you want an extra body at safety anyway. Uh, Devin Allen, who we yeah. saw be a really good gunner in the preseason. That's a different role, and they're, they're, they're pretty much fine with the gunners right now, but I would imagine that he can get down the field pretty quickly on kickoff coverage, right? So uh, he would be a possibility. Uh, Christian Ellis, I think, would be a possibility. He's been here the whole time, um, and he's, he's a pretty good athlete. And then after that, you're t- like Javelin Guidry, who they signed a couple weeks ago, uh, has been in the league, I presume, has played special teams. Davion Taylor, uh, who has still been here uh, and is okay on special teams, but not outstanding. I don't know. I'm curious to see if they elevate a couple guys this week for that express purpose. Something to watch for sure. All right, Zach, let's close up with uh, Nasty Danes. Uh, Dirty Danes' first mock of the season. Eagles got two first-round picks. We don't want to, you know, go full focus here, but might as well give it a little pop. Get Dane his subs. Get him him his views. Uh, Eagles, in his mock, had the number six pick and the number 31 pick, which is the last pick because uh, the Dolphins had to surrender a first round pick what do you have them doing how do you feel about it and why uh why do they pass on andre yoshivas <laughs> well uh, uh first off um shout out to marissa who produces the pod with dane and you can hear all about the mock draft not just the eagles but the other teams on on that pod you want to give a shout out to that marissa yeah prospects to pros you can yep. find it on the athletic football show feed peace to peas um, yes uh, so Brian Breezy or Bruzzy, I believe it's, it's pronounced from, Clemson. we had trouble pronouncing that. Too. Yeah. I believe Dane, it's, Dane hasn't uh, narrowed yeah. it down yet. So I, I believe it's Bruzzy, uh, okay. former top prospect, like really impressive player. Um, you, this is someone that, uh, if you follow college football, you've heard about him since the recruiting Jace, I think he's from Damascus, Maryland. Um, so he's, uh, he's yeah, from I nearby. Think, yeah. I think uh, so too. You are so, sick. uh, Bruzzy and has a fascinating backstory. I mean, sad in some cases. Uh, if you if you if you read about it, I, I don't want to to um, speak to what happened with his sister this year, but you can you can read about it. Um, but he is uh, he's a really talented player and fits what I think the Eagles will do in the top ten, which is O line D line. And uh, I th- I would imagine a D tackle or an edge rusher. Uh, it's a good D-tackle, edge rusher class. I, I know Anderson from Alabama is the player that Eagles fans will be salivating over. Uh, and then the, uh, you, you know, there's a, a Jalen Carter from Georgia, the defensive lineman, makes a lot of sense. But Bruzzy will be right in there if you're looking at the top 10. The other thing you can be thinking there is cornerback. I, I think that will be a, a range to look for a corner. And there's some good corners there. And I was surprised to see Keely Ringo from Georgia a little lower. What was he? I think he was 11 or 12 on Dane's mock. Um, and Keely Ringo's the name you'll yeah. hear. Yeah. 12, yeah. Uh, Christian Gonzalez um, was the first corner was up, up the there. At number nine. Yeah. Um, so, so there's some good corners there. And then the other thing to, to watch out for early on, because the Eagles might say, unless they trade back, uh, which is always a possibility. Uh, but they could always say like, how often are you drafting in the top 10? Here's a chance to get an offensive tackle. Lane Johnson, 
might have two years left, I think right? That's absolutely right. And so if you think like Skarinski from Northwestern can be like your long-term answer there or a different player, then it's it's certainly something to be mindful of as well. I mean, there is nothing that would be more Eagles than drafting an, uh, a, a tackle to sit for a year, at least a <laughs> yes. year. Like that's yes, that's that's exactly what they do. I think I do think corner would be something they'd like to do if the board fell that way. I think there have been like each of the past couple of years they've they've sort of hoped that that might be the case, and it, it's been a little bit out of reach. I don't I don't, I can't speak to these prospects yet. Um, and who, I mean, you know, who knows where they're actually going to pick, um, with the saints. But, um, I think, I think you're right. I think like if I was just predicting right now, I would probably rank it edge defensive tackle corner offensive tackle as the, as in that order, as the four most likely things. I'm, I'm just going to pull this up real quick because the point that I, I, I want to make is if, is if you have a rooting interest, obviously everyone listening here has <clears throat> A rooting interest in the Eagles, and you're you're not just rooting for the Saints to lose. There are teams that you like, like you want the the Texans, the the Lions, and the Panthers to be to be worse than the Broncos, and well, I don't know, or or the Bears. And the reason I I, I say that is you want quarterbacks to go early. Now, perhaps Seattle takes a quarterback, right? But with the way Geno Smith's playing, you don't know if if that's the case. But the Seahawks have the Broncos pick. Um, then the Bears are in there. Uh, you want those teams to be drafting behind you as opposed to in front of you because those are because you want the top non-quarterbacks in the draft. And you got to think that the Panthers, the Lions, the Texans – will be in the market for quarterbacks. So you would you want the Saints to lose, but then you want to be these other you want these other teams to lose as well. Well said. There's a funny um thing with Lions fans. I noticed this with um what's his name's articles last offseason where like there's like a section of Lions fans who are like falling like like jumping in front of bullets and just diehard supporters of Jared Goff. Like they don't think they need a quarterback. I mean, well, what, I, I mean, Jared Goff is is playing fine, but I mean, how many times are you going to pass on an early round pick to get a quarterback? Yeah. You want you, you really want to keep Jared Goff around? Are you kidding me? So I I admit that I'm I'm guilty of this as well. But my my brother called me out about it. Uh, I was talking about the draft on 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 Monday, and I gave the line like, "Well, just wait until next year's quarterbacks, mm. right?" And I'm I'm always I I always fall victim of like just wait until next year right and so you know Caleb Williams and Drake May are two awesome prospects next year but uh if you're the Lions or you're the Panthers or you're the Texans you can't keep kicking the can down the road like like you don't know what's this say <laughs> just don't a comment you're talking about how beautiful okay. your eyes are <laughs> um <laughs> Um, but you, you can't keep the whole world the in there, whole universe. <laughs> you can't keep kicking the can down the road. So I, it's, it's, it's a discussion point. You're going to hear quite a bit. And the irony to that is a year ago in the draft, you know, when right. the picket conversation and Malik Willis, you kept hearing, well, just wait until Bryce young next year and just wait until, um, you know, CJ Stroud next year. And then this year, uh, it's, it tends to be, well, just wait until Caleb Williams and Drake may, I mean, I heard Sean Payton, on um 
uh, I think it was the Dan Patrick. No, it's the Rich Eisen yeah. show, maybe or Dan Patrick. It was uh, one one of yeah. those. Yeah, uh, we talked about that too. Yeah, where he's like, he said, Caleb Williams is Kilborn? the player. He said, Caleb Williams is is the player who is going to cause the league to mm. institute a draft lottery. But like, I can make a strong case that Drake May is uh, is is a better prospect than Caleb. Like Drake May is awesome as well. Um, so. It's going to be fascinating to see, but I, I still, I still really like Bryce Young. I think CJ Stroud has a lot of talent, uh, not as high on Will Levis, but we can get to the Race second Bader. Eagles right. pick. Them. Race where guy? <laughs> not actually. For this is a callback. <laughs> yes, I will actually clarify sure. that one. Yes. I forget what I, I don't even remember the etymology of the race <laughs> were there, but no, no, it's horses, not not race horses, horse races. I think I was talking about. I don't remember. Yeah, but um, let's get to very quickly the so just uh, just uh, to yeah. run it down the Saints schedule the rest of the season they've got a buy still coming up so they've only got five games left at Tampa I think this Monday night and then buy and then against the Falcons at Cleveland at Philadelphia in Week 17 and then home versus the Panthers it, they could go 0 and five that's not impossible. The, the thing I'm, two, but. Uh, uh, Powell rankings, Bo, um, because you are our mm. national correspondent now that Shields well, no longer with us on, 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 on the pod. Well, you do your picks. Um, we both got I, nationally I, I see, uh, I see a, a comment in here saying that um, if you're ahead of a team that's desperate for a, a quarterback, you can trade down for an absolute ransom. What I'm curious, in your opinion, do you think that given – that three, the four teams that traded first round picks this year, mm. or three teams are in the top ten. Uh, do you think teams are going to be less compelled to trade first round picks going forward? Do you think teams are like, let's let's just ride it out with our pick? Uh, you know, we can't overthink this. I think when the quarterback is involved, the answer is no. Okay. I think I think the, I think if the goal is go get a quarterback, uh, they're not going to be worried about it. I think, I mean, I would imagine that some teams would, would take some kind of lesson from the saints because that <laughs> yeah. was nonsense yeah. from the beginning. And we yeah. talked about it. However, every GM and every team thinks they're better than they are. Um, and thinks they're smarter than other, other teams. Right. So, or the, or the dolphins the year prior, right? Like Jalen Waddle's good player, but right. You know, I don't so, think yeah. that, uh, I don't, I don't think that there's going to be like that much of a, a market. I think it was more, um, unlikely that there were five teams that traded their future first round okay. picks than it is that those teams are going to like learn. I think it'll probably be a, a probabilistic correction just because that was a bit of an outlier, but I don't think it's going to be because teams are going to be like, well, you know, we think we're going to be good, but the saints thought that last year too. Um, yeah. Let's not do that. Um, I think, you know, there, there are always going to be smarter GMs who are not going to do that. Like, you know, uh, Kwesi, uh Adolfo Mensu is not going to be pulling that kind of nonsense, but like, you know, uh, if if there's a Rick Spielman out there somewhere, like he's not going to be worried about the league trends, you know. Mm-hmm. I hear you. Okay, but I do think with a quarterback, uh, I think there is a there is a case that like if if you're the three pick or something like that, and there and then you can have a bidding war for who wants to come up and get a quarterback. Yeah, I mean, they, yeah, that's pretty enticing. Yeah, similar to what the Dolphins did when mm-hmm. the, the, the Niners traded up. There you go. All right, last thing, uh, Zach, they had a uh, – Dane had him taking a running back at 31. 
Yeah, so Gibbs, uh, Jamar Gibbs from Alabama. If, if you is watch it, now Alabama, this is Joe's play, son. No, he's he's not Joe's son. Okay. Um, he's he's not your Alabama running back in the Mark Ingram, Trent Richardson, Derrick Henry mold, right? Like he is, he's more of an offensive weapon. He's uh, he's Alvin Kamara esque. Um, I don't want to say Christian McCaffrey, but he like he's he's really good in the passing game. Number one. Um, if you just look at his numbers, doesn't have high usage in the running game at Georgia Tech or at Alabama. Um, he's he's someone you draft for his dynamic ability. Now, I am skeptical that the Eagles would spend a first-round pick on a running back. Uh, I, I think that they're more ripe to do that in the second round or the third round. This is a really good running back draft class. It's a deep running back draft class. Uh, I don't think they'd be compelled to do it. Now, one thing I could see them doing is, <clears throat> excuse me, is, uh, and I know this is going to bring flashbacks to like 2019 uh, to you, um, but, or I'm sorry, 2018, I wouldn't put it past them to take a tight end um, with that spot. And wow. the reason I say that is because, that's interesting. Um, like, and hear me out here. Again, this is, this is partly me putting my, my draft philosophy. What a cosmic into play. joke that would be on Dallas Goddard. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is part of me putting my draft philosophy into play. But I tend to think that with your premium picks, take like take special type of like physical ability. Ability that you can't find later on. And you'll see a, a name in there, uh, a little a, a few picks before the Eagles is Darnell Washington from Georgia. And if you look at Darnell Washington's stats, you would be like, there's no reason why this guy's a first-round tight end, right? Um, this is someone who was a a uh, huge recruit coming out. I think he's from Vegas. Um, he's like 6'7", 275, and he can run, he can block, uh, and like his best days are ahead of him. And I, I bring that up as, as a, a way of saying that pick there gives you a chance that if – if you detach, I, I, I know you're going to shudder when I say this, Bo. If you detach the position label from the player, and you can apply this with Gibbs, you can apply this with, with Washington, and you say, can you get a weapon for your offense? Someone you can use a certain way. Like Darnell Washington trans, transforms your 12 personnel packages, in my opinion. Um, he can be used a handful of different ways. So that's something to be mindful of. That said, if I had to guess right now, it would be O-line, D-line, and secondary. Like O line or D line, and secondary would be the positions that that they're going to address. Yeah, I mean, I think um, if they're picking at the back of it, like if they are picking at the very back of the round, I would imagine they're probably trading out, um, like they did in in yeah. twenty eighteen. Um, I don't think that like when you're when you're that late in the first round, the the calculation is a little bit different. Like a running back there is probably still not what I would do, but it's a little bit different than taking one at like twenty. Um, tight end is I don't like the description of the guy you, that you gave me that he's a guy without a position. That doesn't sound good to me. No, he's no he he um, he's a guy who's very raw. Okay, he's he's like he is a body type, and I'm saying if you just say like, all right, he's not just your second tight end, but he's. He's your sixth offensive lineman in certain packages, okay. or he's your, you know, he he can be used different ways. Is is my point? Yeah, um, I think safety would be on the board too. Um, but 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 the reason why I, I don't buy running back in the first round is one argument you hear for uh, 
taking someone late in the first round is the fifth year option. Right. And running back's the only position really where the fifth year option you don't want, right? right. You're not going to pay a running back the salary of the fifth year option. Whereas at a different position, if if the guy's good, you want to. Which pay is why him I that say they would trade it. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. All right. Completely speculative conversation, but you know that's what it's all about. That's a good conversation. Zach's knowledge on the draft. Ridiculous. Is... How do you have the time? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm sure. I'm sure you watch college football. You you like I to don't. read this stuff. Yeah. Okay. Well, I I watch college football. I, watch, I like to read. This I watch stuff. like I... nine games a year, and most of them are Princeton football. Okay. All right. I, well, I haven't watched Princeton football this year. A little year, bit of Wake watched, Forest, and then uh, I've watched. I watched uh, Alabama, uh, Tennessee. Uh, that's about it. <laughs> I will say, uh, um, I'm very, uh, and you can probably hear this. I'm probably too influenced by recruiting rankings because I follow recruiting, and so like, mm. if a player was a top recruit, then I am. I lean heavily more. I, I probably lean heavier toward your former you know, five-star, four-star guys um, because it, they're guys who've been in my football lexicon yeah. for a few years here. Yeah. Yeah. All right. All right, Zach. Well, that'll do it for this episode of Birds with Friends. We got another one coming Friday. I think uh, I think there's a chance we're going to hear from a, a certain Philadelphia-based sports Indian at some point. So a little tease. We'll as Jason Kelsey thing. said on his podcast last week, that's what we call in the business as a tease. Uh, and, and, and did you hear that when Travis Kelsey was giving the whole Mahomes interview away? I did. <laughs> and Jason's like, no, don't do that. Yeah. That's so, right. That's, that's a tease. Uh, so uh, stay tuned for that. On Friday, we'll have Swooper um, and all the good stuff previewing uh, Sunday's game. So for Zach and Marissa and Marquise. I'm Bo. We thank you for listening. We will talk to you on Friday. And as always, we love you. Birds with friends.